Hey there, we're pulling this episode from our story archives where we've covered part one and part two of Lupin in preparation for part three of Lupin releasing October 5th. We hope you enjoy this episode and our upcoming deep dive coverage on Lupin part three. All right, Zach. All right. We have Lupin, season one, second half of season one, I think premiering this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if you want to do some internet research for me while I sidebar yeah. here. We are on episode two of our Lupin commentary. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a great continuation off the pilot episode. And uh, I'm really excited to see how the series continues on here. Uh, we're actually it actually comes out on the 11th. On the 11th, Friday. that is that's yeah. Friday. Okay, wow. Okay, yeah. Hey, that's something to look forward to. There's absolutely that's no way time. I don't get through the weekend and watch them all. So mm. we, me, and you might have a busy weekend recording some podcasts. <laughs> May do a marathon or something and get this thing done. Um. All right, so Lupin, season one, episode 102. You know how they do it, like 102 in season 102. Yeah. All yeah. right, we find Asan, fresh off the first episode. He has the necklace that he stole from the Louvre, and he takes it to his friend Benjamin, where they discover that the necklace was actually not taken apart, and all of the diamonds are intact. They're real. So somebody's lying in the Pellegrini family. And at this point, that's where kind of like the, the conflict starts to kick off where um, he's determined to clear his father's name. What did you think of like the opening and the, uh, and, and seeing that scene where he goes to his friend, which by the way, has a, like a really dope setup. I mean, I don't know what, like what kind of businesses are able to operate like that, but. Uh... I don't know. I mean, it was a pretty cool setup. I, uh, Kind of felt like a pawn shop to me. I don't know. I, I like him. This guy is very knowledgeable. I mean, they're both very knowledgeable, Benjamin and, and Hassan. But I'm not. I don't really have any any feelings towards Benjamin yet. Do you? Like, I I don't think they've had enough time to grow his character. Well, or in, develop. Character. In any show that has like an OP thief type of motif going on, you gotta have like the group of friends that each one is an expert in something, and Benjamin is that expert. You need the expert guy who can who knows like a fake Monet from a from a real Monet. You know what yeah, I mean? And somehow sure. these people just always exist in this world where he can tell, yeah, this this is the exact diamond from Marie Antoinette's necklace. So uh, unfortunately, I don't have these type of friends, and that's why my fantasy of being an Asan Lupin character is just it's unfortunately high and dry. It's out the window. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, you could have been like Benjamin for me, but. Uh, you know what? Not... Benjamin in other ways. All right. So I was thinking when I saw that, like the scene where Asan is 16 years old in the flashbacks that they're showing throughout the episode. And mm -hmm. the, his mom, they don't talk about how his mom died. They, you don't know much about his mom. At least I can't remember if they say something about the mother and the show, at least not up until now. And um, you, it kind of made me think, back to when I was 16, if I had just these memories of my father as a good man, and then all of a sudden he's in jail 
and I'm I have all these conflicting ideas about that he stole this necklace and then killed himself. Like, what does that do to your, to the image of your of your father and into who you are? You know what I mean? And so yeah. I was thinking, like, he's I guess part of the clearing of the dad's name has to be a bit about, um, you know, kind of affirming his own identity. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you would be questioning everything at that point. I don't think you can trust anybody. So it makes sense that that kind of becomes what is seemingly one of his his life goals there is to to figure out, you know, if his father truly was what he remembered or, or, you know, what what he was basically told of his father. Yeah, and, and also you take into account that the one book his dad gave him from that library mm-hmm. was our son Lupin. So you think yeah. like, okay, if the dad is actually like a facade of the role model that he thought he was, then what does that mean about his whole life and what he's built it up to be? You know, he's built yeah, it on like exactly. a, a house of, of sand, you know, a foundation of sand. Mm-hmm. So uh, after he's in Benjamin's shop with his son, who's like, I kind of found this irresponsible. Like they're talking so loud with the son downstairs and you can- Oh cut- yeah, I know. I mean, you could clearly hear the dialogue. Yeah, the son's a little, maybe a little bit dim-witted a little dull. I don't know. I like the son's character because they do like this interplay between him and the father throughout the episode where he's yeah. reading a chapter that's actually the reenactment of the scene in the jail because almost everything coincidentally in the show happens to be like a reflection of that. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, they go they go through that. The kid doesn't hear, I guess, you know, what they were talking about. And he seems to be around the age of 16 too, which is interesting as well. So that's a good little plot yeah. device. Um Hassan goes and sends a, a letter, an anonymous letter to, I think her name is Juliet Pellegrini. Uh, I think so. And uh, he, yeah, he sends her a letter with one of the diamonds. So automatically she knows, all right, this is the guy who stole the necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet up at a park in which I've never seen this particular type of uh, escape in in a thief show although the detective always tends to be i mean just i mean the blonde detective in this show i mean unfortunately the guy is just he's given the role of somebody who's not very bright so uh anyways he's in the park i'm gonna just suspend my disbelief of the fact that he knows exactly where the cameras are pointing so he takes his mask down in the park but he doesn't seem to really care about people seeing his face too often so anyways, uh, yeah. in that conversation, Juliet essentially tells him that, yes, it was a lie about the rumor that the, that the diamonds were spread across the world, uh, and that, but that her father had actually purchased the necklace back from a dealer in, in South Africa, I believe she said five years before. So she says that Hassan's father did steal the necklace, but that they repurchased it from somebody in South Africa, which Hassan says makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Which leads him to the next, or the probably the the most core aspect of the episode of the turning point, which is um, him returning to his apartment, finding the letter, and then stumbling upon the two words. Um, the word, what were the words? It was commit uh, and libraries that were misspelled, and so that's yeah. how he finds out yeah. that he needs to get in contact with this man named Etienne Commit who he thinks his father needed him to speak to. Okay, but before we get to that part, though, I think one of the one of the coolest scenes in the show 
was oh, this yeah. whole I kind of glazed over that part. I got this. Yeah, you completely glossed over it. You, you got like this very James Bond-esque yeah. uh, scene where, you know, he's, he's dressed up as what some food delivery guy on a, on yeah, a like bicycle. Yeah, like a Postmates delivery yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the so way... He called a whole bunch of orders and then causes a whole bunch of chaos, but that was... Yeah. Yeah, which, by the way, I I love the fact that the show doesn't ever like when he pulls off like a a ruse or something like that. It's always on screen. It's always before your eyes. So like the scene starts. And he's on the phone ordering a bunch of pizzas like he has one phone in his hand ordering one pie and another phone in his hand ordering another one. He's going back and forth. You don't know exactly where that's leading to because it's giving you just a partial piece of the puzzle. But you feel in on it. You feel in on it. And so at the end, when he actually escapes, he breaks the fourth wall. And actually, I think he looks into the camera. So, and I, I always wondered, you know, why breaking the fourth wall is something that um, it doesn't take away from the story at times if it's done correctly. And I think that the reason is, at least in this situation, is because you are complicit in the stuff that Asan is doing. You know what he's doing. You don't know exactly how he's going to pull it off because that would take away the fun of it but because you know and you're in on it and you know something that the detectives don't know when he looks at the camera it's not like oh he just shattered like the fact that we're watching a tv show you know what i mean mm-hmm. same with like house of cards when kevin kevin spacey looks in at the camera kind of like a wink yeah yeah or ferris bueller you know yeah. um anyway so after that escape he finds the letter finds the misspellings and then Tells his concerned friend that he's gonna actually break into prison. <laughs> which my my I think my favorite scene in this episode. I'm gonna this is a nominee for me. We'll we'll have nominees of favorite scene in the episode. Okay. Might have been the little moment between the prisoner that he breaks out. I enjoyed that scene. I don't know why. I, it was I just, a great one. I enjoyed the scene that he's like he's in there and the guy's like, Are you an idiot? He's like, How are you gonna break me out? <laughs> and then Oh no, I forgot about the handcuff. Yeah, like the guards shift out. Yeah, I think that's a really great scene. Um, yeah, and there's just nice little touches there because that once he before he leaves, he's like, "Hey, I know what you're in here for. You sell a joint. You sell so much as a joint, and I'm coming after you." So you kind of like have mm-hmm. that aspect of you know he's a he's a socially responsible uh, uh, <laughs> criminal. criminal <laughs> you know? um, yeah. All right, so he's in prison. And by the way, I thought several times to myself, I'm like, specifically in one scene, you know, could I do this? Could I actually put myself in a situation to do something like this? And I don't know. I don't know. You got to really have nothing to lose in some sense. But, that is for sure. Anyways, that wouldn't make much of a fun show. Uh, <laughs> he realizes that uh, Etienne, the guy who he went to prison or broke into prison for, was actually uh, pretty much on his deathbed at this point. And yeah. uh, so he needs to charm a nurse that looks a little bit like Marion Cotillard. I'm, I think I'm saying her name right. Marion Cotillard's uh, estranged sister. I have a crush on uh, She's a French actress. Um, okay. I'm not I'm not aware of this one. No, but you notice Hassan always has like, he always has like tremendous chemistry with any, with any female yeah. that he's trying to like, you know, yeah, so he's smooth. Yeah. yeah, he's smooth. So I found it like they, but they emphasize certain like characters. Like his encounters with the nurse was like they emphasized it a little bit. So I'm like, why are you emphasizing this particular character? She seems like such a side character. What is she gonna do? Yeah. Um, 
overall, um, he does find a way to get in by pretty much um, playing chess, mental chess with these goons in prison and finds a way for them for them to shank him. And uh, he gets his night in the infirmary where he has finally a one-on-one moment with Etienne, who tells him that after a little bit of coercing and uh, getting mm-hmm. to know, tells him that his father actually left a book in case someone ever came for him or, or came on his behalf, right? And mm-hmm. um, so Hassan goes, leaves the infirmary, and actually finds the book, which ends up being a copy of Arsene Lupin as well, with a hidden message highlighted, which said, Am innocent, trapped by Anne Pellegrini. Which is a bit of a twist, because out of all the Pellegrinis, you wouldn't have suspected that it was the wife that yeah. trapped him in prison. What did you think when like, when you saw the like the direction of the scene and and I guess specifically that twist, you know? I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, after the first episode, I mean, her her husband's very, seems very controlling and very convincing for, you know, yeah. getting her to do anything that, that he wants. So it, it, it didn't really surprise me. I kind of felt like there was just some misunderstanding. Yeah, agreed. I mean... They kind of set up the husband to be the the true villain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of those things where it's almost too obvious. Like somebody else has to be complicit in this as well. So when, when I saw, or at least when it led that direction, I was like, okay, I'm not incredibly surprised because it's never the first guy you think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, he, he has his next lead. His, his next lead is to go find Anne Pellegrini and um, essentially confront her. But there's one thing in his way. He actually needs to find a way to break back out of prison now, which which leads... <laughs> Another top one. Yeah, yeah, which leads to me thinking, you know, could you do that? Would you possibly... It, it also kind of explains why he was so smooth with the nurse and why they emphasized it. Because yeah. you find out that he actually stole this bottle of some drug and that I think mm-hmm. stops your heart, if I'm not mistaken. It slows your heart right down significantly that, you know, people would presume you're dead. Yeah. What's the name of that drug? Do you know? I think it starts with a D. It does start with a D. Dextrosterol or something like that? Dexaterol? Something along those. Dextrol? That kind of sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of glossing over the entire uh, flashbacks that happened during the show where they show 16 year old Hassan, um mm-hmm. they don't show too much but they essentially show how he got he was put in an orphanage of sorts or a home yeah. and um by a very douchey cop who shows up to yeah. the hospital very rude and um is put in there and then he later finds out that there's a mysterious donor who paid his way to this prestigious private school yeah and he also met benjamin in there as well Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Benjamin it actually sticks up from immediately. So you get to see a little bit of the backstory, which is neat, of where they both came yeah. from. Also, good casting on 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 Benjamin, particularly. Like, oh, very good. Very good. Doesn't he like he looks like he would grow up to look like the guy in the in the jewelry very much so. or the antique shop. So excellent casting there. But um, all right. So he takes the pills from the nursing station. The very concerned nurse. I think he has like ridiculous chemistry with that nurse. I'm stuck on that. I think that, you know, there's some romantic 
there's a rom- romantic possibility there if there wasn't the I don't know. Ex-wife. I kind of think he was being smooth though, and and just you know putting on the moves with her because I mean if if she kind of likes him, I mean who's who's going to be on scene to say that yeah he's dead. I'm I'm gonna so get, I'm gonna she feels her, for him. I gotta give her a role like a. All right, so we need a category here that pretty much for the actor who steals the scene, like the very small scenes that you remember them. That nurse is in my nominees for this episode. Okay? okay. She's she's one of my she's one of my nominees. I got one other nominee that I think might beat her, but uh not for nearly as positive reasons. Um so he takes the drugs. He actually all um you don't get to see all this, so I'm kind of like skipping parts here, but Obviously, he doesn't die. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the rest of the season. So he yeah. actually knows that the goons are going to try to hang him, uh, which is mm-hmm. also kind of symbolic of his dad being hung in jail as well, right? And uh, That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of core, like inter-overlapping storylines in, in here, right? So uh, he gets out of prison the same way his dad did. But unlike his dad, he's not dead. He resurrects. And so his, uh, he wakes up in the ambulance uh, very calmly, like very calmly for like how I probably would have woken up. <laughs> he has the basketball yeah. net, which I needed to rewind because I didn't notice this. When he goes and he's pretending, well, he's, he is in pain from getting stabbed. But uh, he, when he's over-dramatizing and he goes up to the basket, mm-hmm. I didn't rewind it to see if he actually grabbed the net down there and I just missed it. Almost like when a magician does a card trick in front of your eyes. So I need yeah. to rewind it and see if he actually did that. Because no, he actually grabbed it. So you went back and actually went and saw him grab the net in the scene. I'm not well, talking about the flashback scene where they no, show no, no. In, in, So in the scene, in, in, in this, you don't physically see it because of the cut. But what happens is he jumps to try, like, like he's going to try and dunk the ball. Uh, but you can, intent, you can see him intentionally kind of stop short. And his hand swipes down. So you don't see the cut, but you hear the net swipe. And on the uh, the very next shot, you know, the uh, where, where you're kind of like uh, stepping back to see the, the full environment, uh, you can, like, it's a clear shot of the hoop. And, and the net's the next, gone. Uh, I never noticed that. So yeah. I love the fact that they show you the ruse. They show you how he's going to get out beforehand. Mm-hmm. And you got to piece it together essentially. But if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. But at the same time, they're not copying out and just saying, voila, this happened when the camera was cut to something else. Yeah. um, Yeah. So he breaks out uh, of prison, wakes up in the ambulance and disappears, which uh, made me concerned for the ambulance drivers. I'm not, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Think about it. I'd I'd be a bit scared if somebody stood up in the back of the, uh, the ambulance he thought was dead well you're an ambulance driver you you drive corpses day and night and the corpse is gone that's true what happened to the body you just assume this guy resurrected so then you assume was this guy divine like who was in the back so the rest of your life you're probably telling people that you 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 saw or you literally were near somebody who resurrected and so you're that guy's basing off like a whole thing off of the resurrection of this guy in the back of his van. And it probably just derails his life a little bit. I would assume he goes into a dark hole after this, you know? Yeah, I think I think you'd have to. How do you not? 
All right. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stories of people who like, quote unquote, have resurrected. I mean, but they didn't really die. They were in a similar state. You know, there's like so many stories of actual like people buried alive that people thought they were dead. And so I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I should have at least left depending on his growing up. I saw should have at least left the note and said, like, yo, I wasn't actually dead, you know, just to like, you know. <laughs> but uh, does that farther confuse him? The, the, the ambulance driver could, could the body just have been stolen Possibly. or they left somewhere? I, I think we I think we need a spin-off show where the ambulance just driver needs ambulance to find driver. the man who who resurrected anyways um so he breaks out i forgot to mention that uh etienne does die in the prison and he makes um he makes uh, what's his face Hassan. uh promise to make his wife smile no matter what like you know whichever way he yeah. found um so they kind of leave that one open-ended but uh he escapes and the first thing he does when he escapes is confront and uh pellegrino pellegrini mm-hmm. not pellegrino i could go for a glass of pellegrino though. uh <laughs> and so he confronts her where that's where she confesses and now you have once again another lead where she mm-hmm. says yes i did tell your father to sign the agreement but uh it was under the impression that that he was going to get a reduced sentence like a very like Mm -hmm. reduced sentence and that he was going to be free to to pretty much father you and uh but at this point who the hell knows who's saying what what's true and yeah i'm not convinced of her innocence yeah i feel like she knows one other thing you know that she's not saying and because she alludes to it earlier in the episode where She's saying how, like, oh, your father has me in a palace of gold. And I'm like, boo-hoo, like, boo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, okay. he's like, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't love me. He's scared because I know where the bodies are buried. So she knows more, I would assume. And uh, we'll find out what those are. But um, he confronts her. You also find out that she was the mysterious donor who put him through school. So it was a bit of a kind of like a guilt. She's trying to, uh, like, uh, you know, massage her... Uh, the guilt that she had over, yeah. over the father killing himself and being in prison and her whatever her role was in that. And so she actually says that although she was the one who convinced him to sign the agreement, it was a uh, it was an officer who had promised her and uh, pretty much went back on his word. Dumont. Mm-hmm. What was your takeaways on that scene? Like, what were you thinking when that was going on? The, in the conversation yeah yeah like, or in, in like the flashbacks that they're kind of going on there overall like just the whole thing because it does piece together everything because you find out who the douchey cop is in the beginning but mm-hmm. what, what did you think about the overall confrontation and where does it leave us on and, and, and i liked the, the reveal of who the douchey cop actually was that was that was nice to know because there was just like whatever was going on in, in the first episode which is well, you kind of you kind of find out why he's douchey, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not sure what to think of of the whole thing just yet. I I don't think the mother is fully innocent in anything that happened. Uh, I, I I don't. I don't know. I don't even know if uh, she truly was trying to like get him out of there or just kind of put the situation to bed. True. I, I mean, kind of think because because think of think about what what would be going on between her husband and her. Think of the pressure you'd be putting on her. 
wouldn't you just want some, this this whole thing to be put to bed and you know be over and you not have all of this you know depends if you tension if you're, if, you're, if you're a shitty person yeah i mean like i mean well i mean look at look at who she's with though that's true that's true we need a backstory we need a backstory there we need a backstory was he yeah. always was he always like a villainous guy or did she marry for money did he turn into this after we need more uh, we won't get yeah. it though i doubt it um this essentially leads to just another puzzle piece and we have the puzzle pieces in front of us but not enough to put it together uh but we do find out that babakar essentially was framed in some sense mm-hmm. um and didn't kill himself so asan is finally i guess you could say he's kind of at peace with his father he knows yeah. his father's a good man he knows he's innocent now and he knows he didn't kill himself so now it kind of leaves us with a cliffhanger with Asan um, going to his bat cave, essentially, and doing a background on Dumont. That's the, the last of it. But uh, we do get a nice little uh, takeaway scene of, mm-hmm. uh, of Asan not forgetting the promises he made. And he leaves a diamond. You see that he doesn't really care about material things, which yeah. we're about to talk about. And he leaves a diamond for Etienne's wife, which makes her smile. It makes her smile. And so there's a resolution there. Uh, but you see Asan as somebody with a code of honor, essentially. And um, yeah, um, what I was going to tell you um, about that last scene, I was thinking to myself, how does Asan make money? <laughs> Have you seen his house? Have you seen the property? I mean, he's like, a, I mean, it, it, he's it an, looks nice. He's an immigrant from Senegal. I'm assuming he he funded most of that with criminal activity and thievery, which would make a uh, he, which would make a fun prequel. Yeah. It would make a very fun prequel. Yeah. Right. Like if you just had like Young Asan, you know, and he I think, was. I think he would have had to have you know gotten what he's got through thievery. I mean, look at what the entire story show has been about so far. I mean, the first episode, he stole he a necklace him. from the Luz. Yeah. I mean, come on, if you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, true, true. They, you, they cover you're rolling it. in money in, in some some similar fashion. Yeah, they they cover it pretty well. Uh, anyway, so that that leads us to that episode three, essentially leading to next episode's got to be about Dumont, we would assume, and um, what his role in all of this is, and why he went back on his word. Because uh, things so far in this show seems to be that nothing is what it seems. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have left out a couple That's of details in there. Did, did we cover most of everything in this episode? Do you think we, uh, we, uh, I, yeah, I really think we covered most of it. I mean, we, we went through the whole, you know, being Juliet, we went through the, the prison sequence, meeting Anne. And I mean, the, the main episode was just about him discovering that his father was not guilty and that he was coerced into, uh, you know, admitting to what happened Got as it. if he did it. Yeah. Now let let's do something here. Let's uh now that we've done the episode recap, let's talk about um favorite scene. What is the scene that stole the show? And you're up first. I got the gun on you. Uh what uh, scene stole the show of episode two? It's the MVP of the of the episode. I, I think I'm just gonna have to give it to the bike scene with the uh with with all of the, the delivery guys just riding around causing chaos. 
So you're going pure entertainment here. Got you. I, I think I'm just going to have to go with that one on this one. I got, I got to go with the scene where he has the book in prison and he finds, he finds out that his dad uh, is innocent. Where he sees, the, you got the back and forth flashing between the dad highlighting the, the book and all those mm -hmm. things. Um, I, I would say that's the most pivotal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'm taking the easy route here, but I thought that was impactful for the for the direction. Yeah. Also made me wonder, like, couldn't the father have made it a little bit easier on his son? That's a big gamble. Your son, may, <laughs> your son may not You're necessarily betting. go to those lengths to to go to prison to get out, fake his own death to get out of prison. I mean, you're asking a lot. I mean, what what are you what are you uh, raising <laughs> with somebody who can break into prison and do all of that and steal enough information to figure out that you're really innocent? I don't know. Why but... not? Why not just send a letter? Well, they were. I, or, they, they must I mean, have been I mean, going to be read, but they were probably still. monitoring it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Also, like, what if Etienne died? What if Etienne died like well, five years prior? Yeah. We don't even. We don't even get this show. The show ends True. after episode like two, one and a half. It's done. Yeah, they cut that pretty close. I mean, he's yeah. literally one day away from dying. Yeah, but yeah. Like, yeah he gets in there. Yeah. Talk about a coincidence. You talk about Etienne yeah. died the day before he got there. It's over. He never finds out about yeah. the book. You know, it's it's almost questionable whether Etienne would have even remembered. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, he almost didn't. Yeah, he did. He was like, uh, yeah, oh, Car. Like literally, immediately, it must have been yeah. like best buds because Babacar died like. 30 years prior. So dude walks yeah. in and you're just like, Baba Car. Um, all right. Mm, let's say who was the Stole the Show award goes to. I kind of liked the guy in jail that he broke out. You like that guy? He was memorable looking. Yeah. He, is, he, is, he is pretty memorable. I got two nominees here. I got the nurse. For some reason, the I nurse figured. scene, I just kept on like, why? This is like, she's doing good. She's a lovable nurse. I loved her immediately. I was like, she's such a kind hearted mm -hmm. person. Why are you working here? Uh, and then one scene that I just unfortunately can't get out of my head. The guard spitting in the in the tray. Oh, uh, that's, that, that so spit gross. was so disgusting. <laughs> like the length of the loogie was so gross that I can't remember his face, but I'll always remember that particular <laughs> And it was, bro, I was eating dinner too. It was, I was like, damn it. Like just always while I'm eating dinner, there's got to be some disgusting thing on screen. And so that, that was it for me. Also, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any, any plot holes? What are the plot holes? Uh, the one plot hole that kind of, if you had to think twice about it, you're like, all right, I really got to like suspend my disbelief here. I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking about it through that lens. I've got one. You go first in this one. I've got one. What does Etienne's wife do if she's going to get money for that diamond? They're going to trace it back to the necklace and then she's absolutely screwed. So she doesn't get cash. She might get like criminal. Uh, she might get prosecuted somehow. Yeah. I mean, I guess she could sell the, the diamond, but I would assume that diamond's pretty hot. Like it's it's not going to be easy to oh, sell. Yeah. So I That's a big that. diamond. 
It's a, yeah, it's a big ass diamond. You know, if I had to pick a plot hole, I'd probably go back to something that you mentioned earlier on. Uh, how did Hassan know where he could remove his mask? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Like that. That's just that was just too risky for for you to get do all of that. Be masked up and told. I mean, how? how? Also, the guy he broke out of prison. I understand, like the guards changed, <laughs> but you got like <laughs> five eight bug eyed looking guy, and, yeah. then you, and then you got a son who's like six five, like seven foot, six five cover of GQ. It's <laughs> just like, like what? <laughs> what? I want to know what what prison lets you wear clothes like that. Like that's a a nice wearing prison, some nice right? looking clothes. Yeah, he, yeah. He yeah. was walking out like a like a Banana Republic. Got a nice ad sweater on. Like I don't even have a sweater that nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Uh, <laughs> also, another thing, the goons. Those weren't the same goons from episode one, right? That stole that robbed the loot. No, okay. They looked no, very no, similar. No, no, no. The the guy that the guy that Asan broke out and he replaced with himself essentially. Um, that guy owed these goons either drugs oh, or money. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's why, like, uh, like that's that's what happened. And, and because he kind of took his place, took his name, they went after him. All right, and the Mount Rushmore of of goons in prison. And just low tier goons. Are tracksuits on the Mount Rushmore? Of uh Yes. If if you're a low tier goon, you have a an Adidas tracksuit in your closet. Yeah. You've, you've right. got a if you've got it. Yeah. A blue, like a navy blue, white stripes on the side. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the staple outfit of, of any goon. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be like more Russian. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, I was gonna say it actually. Like GTA, it's, it's very like Russian GTA Four, I think one of the characters mm-hmm. had a. Was it Nico who had a tracksuit? It was Nico. I think it was Nico. Yeah, all it time, was either Nico or the guy he was working with. All-time favorite GTA character, Nico Bellic, oh, was, for sure. Phenomenal. All-time favorite. There's no better GTA character, except for the side characters in GTA Four. Um, all right. So then we have episode three um, coming soon. Um, we're going to yeah. leave off here. Uh, we did a recap and we kind of just covered over our favorite scenes here. And um, overall, love this show. Honestly, it's hard to hate Netflix. It's hard to hate Netflix. Oh, I mean, yeah. they are killing the game with the original productions. And how do you even compete when you put out something like this? I got to, you know, it's, it's just very good production quality. Like, Yeah. No it's, it's definitely one of my top favorites from them. It it's also hitting my sweet spot, thievery, you know, mm-hmm. and gangs. You know, you got me. You had me at. I'm gonna have to stop hanging out with you so much. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, <laughs> like Peaky Blinders, you know, which we got to do. Oh, we have to do a. We've got to do this on show. Peaky Blinders. Yeah, for sure. Is, um, isn't the last season coming out of that? By the way. Yes, I think in the next year it'll be out. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Uh, that's the end of Story Archives uh, Lupin Edition here on episode two. We have uh, three more episodes in part one of season one, and then we have the second half of season one coming, uh, dropping this Friday, actually. 
So uh, yeah. our episodes will be releasing periodically through that point for all of you bleeping diehards out there. Um, Zach, this is kind of different from the Midnight Exchange, but plug the Midnight Exchange and uh, tell us a little bit about the podcast network. Yeah, so I guess we could say this uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Midnight Exchange. The Midnight Exchange is a podcast network, you know, put on primarily by us at the moment, but we're working on bringing some other people in, some other shows. Uh, so, you know, if you want to learn more about us or just tune into to what else is going on, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and so on at the Midnight Exchange. You can uh, visit our website at themidnightexchange.com and all of our social handles are on there, but it's T-A-C-M-E Podcast on Twitter, uh, the Midnight Exchange on Instagram, the Midnight Exchange on, are we on Facebook? I think we're on Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. Any any of those platforms, uh, you and can go you look can, us up there. And, then... and you can follow Story Archives at, uh, just Story Absolutely. Archives on Instagram. Uh, right now, it's just movie highlights and, and whatnot, but, uh, hopefully in the nearish future we'll have more podcast type material and other content coming that way and eventually you'll have a story archive segment added to the midnight exchange.com so yes thank you for tuning we in. actually do have a sign up we do have a sign up there story archives.themidnightexchange.com so if you want to if you want to hit up the uh the domain there go for it we learn something new every day all right uh thank you guys for tuning in and until next time Stay sneaky, like or something. Peace. <laughs> Peace.